And we're back. Another episode of Riding the Pine with Lefty and the Coach. Tonight, we're going to deep dive again into the NBA playoffs because, yes, folks, they're still going on. Going to talk about the Grizzlies and the Lakers and that insane series, which could get even more insane tomorrow night. And you know we're going to talk about him. Playoff, Timmy, Jimmy Butler. I have, good Lord, this kid's on a heater right now, but absolutely awesome stuff going on. We'll hit a little bit of the NFL draft as it is actually going on right now. Um, we'll talk about how the Indianapolis Colts probably just like cost their coach their job before he's even coached the game yet. And then we'll hit our top 10 list of the night, which is going to be the top 10 bucket list sporting events. Rob, before we get going, uh, quick question. Is Jimmy Butler Michael Jordan's son? I mean, there's the Chicago thing there. I'm just saying, you know, we, we don't know. I just like he turns into Michael Jordan in the playoffs. But that's the talk right now is, is Jimmy Butler Michael Jordan's son. When you score 56 one game and then come on the road and score 42. In a closeout game. In a closeout game, he's doing some Michael Jordan things in 2023. Absolutely. But we're going to start tonight a podcast sponsored by Monster Energy. I don't know what their slogan is, but whatever. We're going with it. Please send me free Monster. I really – oh, ball go! Ball go! Ball go! Home run! Mississippi State has tied this thing up, baby. Let's go! We'll what I tell you? We'll blow it in the ninth, everybody. It's okay. But whatever. It's good to see now. But back to – Well, I'll tell you, you're going to sweep of all, the, of all the teams to play. Y'all are going to go on the road and sweep Tennessee, and then y'all are going to go into Alex Box and sweep LSU. And then That's- we'll lose to, like, Missouri or somebody like that. But uh, <laughs> so we're going to start tonight before Rumble. that <laughs> We were actually going on a serious note before that started, but – um, I, I do want to talk about it. Al, you and I talked about it a little bit um, early or today, and, and I thought about it really throughout the day, and it's, it's to do with the Miami Heat. And for a long time, we heard about it with the, uh, with the, uh, the Boston Celtics. We heard about Celtic pride and, and red and the leprechaun and all this mythical stuff that went around with it. And, yeah. It really came down to it was Red Auerbach being able to build teams. That's what it was. I mean, Red Red coached him in the 60s. He was the president in the 70s and the 80s. I, and for the listeners out there, Red Auerbach is affiliated with the – tell them, Rob, just who he's affiliated with. But with the Boston Celtics. I mean, he's, yeah, Boston he's, Celtics. he's the head coach of the Boston Celtics from the 50s through the 60s. Bill Russell takes over for him in the 60s. He ends up being president. Anyways. I think Pat Riley is that is he is our generation's red back. You know, you look at what he's built in Miami, and, and this is notwithstanding what he did in L.A. He wins the championship with Showtime, gets the finals with the Knicks when he's in New York. But he's came, he came to Miami, and, and he established something that we haven't seen since Boston. He established a culture, the heat culture, that everybody has talked about. And – this is unpopular outside of – probably very unpopular inside the city of Boston, but I, I tend to believe Pat Riley has surpassed Red Auerbach. 
I think you look at what Pat has been able to do. You know, you go back to the 60s with Red. And, you know, he had, he had Bill. When he was coaching, he had Bill. Bill's the most dominant player of his generation. Then he had Hondo in the 70s. In the early 70s, he had Hondo, John Havlicek, for people who don't know that nickname. And then yep. in the 80s, he obviously has Bird, Parrish, and Kale. You know, you look at what – and, I mean, let, let's – those five players I just named, every one of them's a Hall of Fame. First ballot Hall of Fame, I'm pretty sure. Now let's go to Miami and what yep. Pat has been able to do. Mm-hmm. Look at those first teams he – those first really, really great teams he had. It was Dwayne Wade, a young superstar, and Shaq, right. a yep. – a aging, still star, but he probably wasn't at the height of his powers anymore. He wins an NBA championship. Then he gets the Heatles. He gets LeBron, Wade, Bosch, and he reels off two championships and four finals appearances with them. And builds some, and builds some good pieces around those guys. Correct. And I think the biggest piece he built out of that, and this is what differentiates him from Red, he built a coach. He found a coach in Eric Spolstra who, in my opinion, is one of the top five coaches in the NBA right now. And that's the biggest piece he's built. He's had great rosters, all that, but the biggest piece he built, what differentiates him in my mind from a guy like Auerbach is he's built a coach. Right, absolutely. He's been able to pour into Eric Spolstra and has made him an elite coach, whereas I don't know that Red ever made – I mean, Red's teams in the 60s were amazing. His, and when he had Bill, you know, they're still rolling off Red at that point in the 60s. They were bad outside of Havlicek in the 70s. Then right. you and I could have coached them in the 80s with, right. with Bird, McHale, and Parrish. Right. When did uh, Danny Ainge join that team again? Danny Danny got there, I think, in 82 or 83. Okay. Okay. Um, and, you know, look at you look at Pat. And Pat has built – He's built Spo, basically. I mean, yeah. Spo's now, I think he's the longest tenured head coach in the NBA. What he, yep. what they've been able to do is just incredible. And now, obviously, Jimmy Butler in the fold. They get Bam out of bio. That's another thing I don't think we talked about. It's, I actually just thought about it. Is their ability – they have homegrown stars, too, by the way, folks. This isn't a team that's going out there and buying the best players. They yeah. can do that. And that's something I want to talk about before we get off this subject. Yeah. But look at what they've been able to build really here in just the last five, six years. If they have Tyler Hero, Bam mm-hmm. Adebayo, they've got these great role players in Struss and um, Kevin Martin. And, you know, you even add Duncan Robinson, although we haven't seen him a whole lot. I think he's in that in that fold. Right. He's had a really good playoffs. He's yeah. Had a really good playoffs. They've been able to create these great role players. And so I just think it's incredible to see what Pat has built there in Miami. And I think better than L.A., better than what he did in New York, this is his greatest – this is his – this is his Celtic pride. This is his coup de gras, his Mona Lisa, is what he has done here in Miami. Right. Which is so funny because, you know, you think of Miami now, you think of the glitz and the glam and the bright lights. And then you look at how they play. It's right. not glitz. It's not glam. It's got, it can be, but a Pat Riley, 
outside of those four years with LeBron, Wade, and Bosch, this is a hard-nosed basketball team that knows how to play defense. And I think that's that comes from Pat Riley down to Eric Spolstra. And he, you know, he in I guess instills that in his teams. Absolutely. I think we kind of got spoiled for those four years when we had we have D Wade, we have LeBron, we have Chris Bosch, we have, you know, the uh the D Wade lob to LeBron and things like that. Yeah, the so, full court lobs. Full court lobs, and we're you know watching them just dunk on everybody and and win win two NBA finals. Um, but if you look at the past, you know the years before that, and then the years after that era with LeBron, it's been kind of a you know it's been a a pet coach Pat Riley has had to build the team. He and, and Eric Spolstra, he's trusted Eric Spolstra through thick and thin to coach the team. And I think that trust that Pat Riley has in Eric Spolstra has really helped that organization because, you know, Eric Spolstra doesn't have to look over his shoulder. He, he knows that Pat Riley has the utmost trust in him to coach the team and try to get the most out of a team. And I'll tell you, you bring up an interesting point right there, what you just said, talking about not having to look over your shoulder. I think another thing that we don't we we seem to forget is the trust Mickey Arison has shown in Pat to say, hey, this is your team. I'm staying right. out of the way. Right. I'm going to be the owner. You right. tell me where I need to write the checks. Yep, he's allowed he's allowed Pat to be just a true a true president, oversee the oversee the organization and just what's going on on a day to day basis. And I think you know. You know, we talked about it, who culture, Celtic, probably whatever. You know, the Celtic dynasty died June 18th, 1986. The day Lynn Bias dies of drug overdose. I think it's you and I talked about it right before. I think it's one of the I think I think there are two deaths that have impacted basketball for the last 40 years. It's the death of Lynn Bias, the power forward, all world player drafted number two out of the University of Maryland. And the death of Ben Wilson, the the incoming senior at Chicago Simeon High School, is going to be the number one player in the country. Right. Uh, and again, folks, we'll actually deep dive on both those because I, I want to do a podcast or two on those and how it impacted the NBA. But for sure, Pat, people need to know their story. You know, I agree. And, and Pat, the thing he's done so well is, you know, when that happened in Boston, Boston didn't have a backup plan. Bird was aging. McHale was aging. Parrish was aging. They had already lost. You know, Walton had retired. So it's amazing to watch that when Shaq retired, oh, well, okay. When LeBron left, oh, well, okay. When Bosh retired, when Wade left, oh, well, okay. I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure it out because I know how to do it. And I think that's why. And here's, I think, the scary thing that people, I don't think they're seeing. You know, right now, Jimmy Butler is showing you that with almost nobody, he's going to possibly drag his team to the second, to a second straight Eastern Conference Finals. Right. If I'm Luka Doncic in Dallas, with all the dysfunction I have, I'm looking at Miami and saying, I can go team up with Jimmy Butler for the last two years of his career. That would be, I think... I mean, or heck, if I'm Giannis, 
I've delivered the I've delivered the championship. I've done what I said I was going to do. Now let me go work on my legacy. Let me build That's, my yeah. legacy. Those I are, think in the next two or three years, we're going to see Miami be that free agency destination that it was for so many years. And I think that comes down to one person, Pat Riley. Yeah, you make – those are two very interesting pieces to plug in in that organization. And I would say that Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra would have the confidence to bring in a superstar of the caliber of Luka and the superstar caliber of Giannis because back back in um, 2000 um, – was it 2010? Yeah, 2010. When they brought in LeBron and all that? Yeah, yeah, 2010. Yeah, yeah 2010. They, they've done it before. You know, they've done it both ways. They've, they've coached the superstars that are winning the championships and have the big contracts, and they've also coached the non-superstar type teams and have still had success with them. So I think that's what makes their – just kind of the way they run their organization, that's what makes it, I think, very interesting to me. Yeah. And, you know, I just think it's it, it's so interesting just to see how well this, you know, for a long time, I know I at least, you hated Miami because yeah, that's where LeBron went, you know. But yeah. I think as the years have passed, you started to realize you've wanted you learned to respect them more. Yeah. And again, I was one who when Spo got that job, I said, well, that's just because every the thought was when they were struggling early in that in that era of the heat, especially after they lose that first finals, everybody, well, Pat Riley's gonna take over. Yep. But Pat, you know, he said, Hey, Spo's my guy. I'm gonna trust him. And now they're on year you know, 13 of this and Spolstra has just become only the sixth head coach to ever knock off a number one seed as an eight. And just, (laughs) just the trust. And it's that, I think it's culture. I don't think it's, I I don't think it's, you know, that, and granted it is that Pat Riley, that Jimmy Butler had great games, but Jimmy Butler seems to play in the playoffs. Pat Riley has instilled the importance of the of this to the Miami Heat. Right. Back to just even Spolstra and Pat Riley and just kind of the, they have it's kind of an interesting dynamic just from my point of view because you have Eric Spolstra, kind of just the basketball junkie, that guru that never played, is <laughs> just the you know the video intern, and then you have Pat Riley yeah, who Pat who, Riley who, who's the who played know, the, all of the All-American that can – yeah. Yeah, the All-American averaging 22 a game his junior year, um, takes him to the famous 1966 championship game against Texas Western. Um, You know, I mean, he played – Won three championships as a coach. It's You know, it's it's just interesting. You know, Pat Riley has kind of – he's come from the best of the best. He's won five as a coach, hasn't he, or six? Um, I have wait two for two with LA and then that one with Miami, right? He won at least three with LA because he won 85, 87, 88. I want to say he won 82. Okay. I, I have say to he go won 82, 85, 87, 88 with the Lakers. Okay. Yeah. And then won 90 with the, uh, or not, not one, uh, 06 with the Heat. And then obviously the 80, the, uh, 80 as the assistant to Paul Westhead. Right. I was trying to 
Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, they won in 82. I was just referring to his last three. 82, 82 and 85 with L.A. So, one four yeah. there. Yeah. But just, you know, trying to just kind of – it's just an interesting dynamic if you think about it. And But it's worked. It's worked, and um, I, I think – I would not be surprised if they are in the finals. I'm not ready to say that because I don't – I think without Oladipo and Hero, I don't know how they match up with Boston. With Boston, yeah. Um, just with Boston's but, size. Robert Williams well, and and then having that duo of – Well, it's uh, not just that. It's, it's Jalen Brown and Jason yeah, Tatum. Yeah, it's, it's having – it's that second group that, that Boston has with Pritchard and Grant Williams, and they're just able to throw more bodies at you. But – Right. Look – I don't count out Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra and do not count out Jimmy Butler. Right. So on that, we'll actually go ahead and start. I was going to do Grizz Lakers first, but we've talked about the heat now for, you know, about 20 minutes. And so we'll continue on that. Um, yeah. Obviously, if, if you saw the game last night, folks, uh, Jimmy Butler, just, again, pop on the cake. Just get on. I'm going to take this team and makes a absolutely ridiculous shot to tie the ball game. And then they win it in overtime, and they take this series in five. You know, Jimmy has 42. But yep. Kevin Love, of all people, Kevin Love comes <laughs> back last night with just a huge game. And, um, you know, but again, that goes back to it. It's heat culture. It's hey, I'm going to show up when my number is called. Yep. Whether We've seen it from so many people for all the years with the Heat, whether it be Shane Battier, whether it be Mike Miller, whether it be Norris Cole, whether it be Joel Anthony, and yeah. now Kevin Love, and you're just like, okay, well, that's not even a shock anymore because they just do it with everybody. Yeah, it's un it's unreal if you think about the Miami Heat. It's like – how do they get all those guys to accept their role and just what they're supposed to do to be successful? Successful. They're just the true. They really are the true basketball team. I feel like year in and year out, and uh, that's. I think that's what's getting them these. You know, these playoff runs and having playoff success. Um, you look at the but, stats last night. I mean, you just run them. Jimmy Butler's actually minus ten last night. Yeah. But Bam Adebayo's 20, 10, and 10 triple-double. He's plus 17. Uh, Kevin Love, plus 13, 15, and 12. Gabe Vincent, 22 points, six assists. He's plus wow. 15. Yeah, they're playing. Um, you know, Kyle, wow, they're Lowry playing. Scores, Kyle Lowry scores 10 off your bench. How many assists? Uh, two. He had okay. six fouls, so he okay. fouled out. Yeah, yeah. Also fouling out was Kevin Love and Bam Adebayo. Yeah, that's crazy. But Jimmy but, uh, Butler plays what, 46 minutes. 46, yep. 42, uh, 17 for 33. And obviously the most important basket at the end of the game. It, it just – and by it the way – overcame a 16-point deficit in that fourth quarter. You know, they were down 16. About, yeah, we talked about it on Tuesday. You know, we said, well, one thing they can't have is, you know, Giannis to have his usual, you know, 40-pointer and then a guy like – you know, Middleton or somebody to go off. Well, that's exactly what happened. Giannis has 38 and 20, and Middleton has 33. Brooke Lopez, 18 and 10. But again, it was Jimmy Butler saying, hey, get on the cake. 
Yep. And uh, one thing too, I thought it was interesting that little that little lob play going coach mode on you guys, but Gabe Vincent throwing the ball in. You know, all they did in that play, Rob, all they did, they knew that they knew that Milwaukee was going to have to match up with these two guys. All they did, which Jimmy Butler said, "Give me the ball." Yeah. All they did was literally Max Struss just set this little screen. You got to stay connected to him. Because what is he in that situation, Rob? Your best shooter. Well, the guy guarding Struss has to stay attached. They literally just looped Jimmy Butler off off that. They just literally looped him. Just little, just just looped him off that screen and then throw the lob. And you know that listen to you know you listen to Butler post game and he even said it. He said Drew Holiday has not cut through that cut through a screen all series. He knew he's gonna. He knows he's gonna trail him there. So they know the backside lob is going to be there. Backside lob. And uh, just, you know, what a play. Simple basketball. Just simple basketball and just knowing your personnel. That's all it is. As I sit here now looking at the stats, uh, interestingly enough, the uh, Atlanta Hawks still up on Boston Celtics. Oh, never mind. Celtics are up too now. I'm actually about to put that on. I know this is – we're going to keep going on uh, the basketball, Rob, but just wanted to keep you updated. One of your Mississippi State boys got drafted 16 Yeah, I saw, to, I saw Forbes went 16. 16 and, and also, to the commanders. Yeah, also Mississippi State baseball, I was pumped about. They gave up a walk-off about 10 minutes ago, so as we were talking about heat culture. So I didn't want to ruin the great conversation there. The kid pimped it, hit it dead center over the batters at like 440. So, um, yeah. No, bat flip, Tennessee bat flip for sure. No, I think he threw the bat and almost hit Vitello in the dugout, though. Okay, and then put on the daddy cap. Yeah, well, at least he didn't put on the, the fur coat. Yeah, it's raining a lot. Fur will get stinky tonight. That's a terrible thing. Um, you know, back to Jimmy and, and the heat. You know, you we talked about it a little bit earlier. I think this team gets the conference finals. I think they give the Celtics all they can handle. I think the Celtics are probably a little bit too good for him. But, yeah, again, I don't know that we can count out Jimmy Butler. I say count out. I would say count out the Heat. But at this point, it's just count out Jimmy Butler. You know, yeah. And then you have, and then you have the veteran versus Missoula, the rookie, in those situations. So, just who can make do. those you adjustments, have, you know? Yeah. You have – and, you know, a lot of people said that was a, that was how the Celtics kept it so close last year. What was Spolstra versus Ime Udoka last year, who was coaching in his first – Eastern Conference Finals, and now it's Joe Mazzulla coaching in his first Eastern Conference Finals as a head coach against Eric Spolstra, who's been here, I think, eight times now in 13 years. So, you know, he's been in this moment. He's been in these moments. So, be very interesting to see how that series uh, plays out. And again, they got to get by the Knicks, but I fully expect Jimmy Butler is going to keep. He's gunning for Jordan's record, for the playoff record in one of those games at Master Square Garden. He, and he may get it. That's going to be an awesome series to watch. Just, just I'm just saying the New York, Miami. Um, you oh, know, yeah. Just, I mean, those, two, just those two, those two um, destinations and those cities in the playoffs and those markets, you know, those TV markets are going to – I mean, that's, they're going to be unbelievable. So – now, but um, sorry, just wanted to confirm. I know we're about to move on, but just wanted to confirm. Um, 
So Spolstra's been to only two finals. Spolstra's been to at least four. Sorry, been to been, He's been to, to five. He's been to five finals. He made four with the. He made four. Oh yeah, yeah. Been to five. Three. Been to five. Sorry, been to five. He's sorry, look at one, two. Been to five. Yeah. yeah. Eastern Conference champs, twenty ten. Eastern Conference champs. And then they won it the back to back years. 2014. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then obviously bubble the bubble year. Yeah. So been to five. One, sorry, I meant to say one, two, been to five. One, two NBA championships, been to five. Yeah. Finals. One, so one. Been to, eight, been to eight Eastern Conference finals. I believe I'm correct on that number. Or yeah. if he gets this year, it'll be eight. So that's just an un- unbelievable, you know, it's find really, and really commend his career. Absolutely. So moving on a little bit, because we could probably stay on that for about another three hours. We'll get on the Memphis Grizzlies and the Los Angeles Lakers. Obviously, we said, you know, Saturday or Tuesday as we're ending the podcast, we hope we're able to talk about this game. Um, you know, you're there in the building last night. Yeah. Kind of what was the vibe? It was interesting because, you know, another 6.30 tip central time um, in Memphis. A slow developing crowd when it comes to just getting in the arena, getting situated, getting into the game. But once the Grizzlies got going in that first quarter, that place was rocking. It was awesome. And uh, there's a lot of belief. There's a lot of belief in the stands and a lot of belief on the court, just playing with confidence and playing with you know, just the mindset that we're still in this. And that was uh, encouraging to see. Well, and I'll tell you what it looked like from my vantage point. Obviously not there in Memphis. Um, It just looked like the Grizzlies came out there and said, all right, y'all are old, we're young, we're setting the tempo tonight. And I thought that was the – I thought Taylor Jenkins made one of his greatest coaching successes last night was that was that you yeah. said we're gonna run them and we're gonna try to run them off the court well that's so right here I know we have a lot to talk about but that's what I have in my game thoughts so I wrote down a couple of game thoughts I have I wrote it three times for each one Rob transition 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 run 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 and then I wrote scored most of our points in or around 15 to 16 second mark and shot clock. So that that just sums up what his strategy was and what, of what you just said. Well, and I think one thing I saw last night was very interesting. I saw John ja Morant playing like Desmond Bain and Desmond Bain playing like John ja Morant, which if I'm the Los Angeles Lakers and Darvin Ham, that terrifies me. Right. Because we saw we saw last night Ja not afraid to step into a three. We right. saw Bain be able to drive and kick to the opposite corner or kick back. And, and well, Desmond made some amazing passes and some amazing finishes at the rim. It was he yeah. was finishing through some contact and he was, you know, Ja's really good at that little one one hand underhands, kind of that same foot, same hand, quick, quick. I tell you one thing. He got a bunch of those last night. Yeah, one thing I'm really impressed with in this series with Ja is his his ability to be able to get into Anthony Davis's body and finish at the rim. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, we've seen him with the acrobatic dunks and the floaters and everything else, but 
I think his ability to just drive into Anthony Davis or Jared Vanderbilt or LeBron, whoever it may be at the rim this year, or this series, and his ability to finish at the rim. I think that's yep. just been – I think that's been where his game has elevated even to a uh, another level this year. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, obviously the big, the big results of that game were the first quarter and the third quarter. Grizzlies outscored the Lakers in the first – by 14, 38-24. Third quarter, Grizzlies outscored them 33-24. And even going up nine, just winning that third quarter by nine was, I think, big because we were talking about earlier uh, today um, just that the, the the Grizzlies came out really, really slow and, you know, just didn't play with a lot of energy and focus in that in the beginning of that third quarter. And then for we the just – For the fifth straight for, third quarter. And uh, – uh, Coach Jenkins actually calls timeouts when they cut it to one, and um, Grizzlies came out and got it going. Um, they really came out and got it going, and it was uh, it was awesome to see. Um, ended up in, the, in that first quarter and third quarter, the Grizzlies outscored the Lakers by twenty three. So that's just a I mean that's a huge part of the game. Those two quarters won us the game. Correct, and so. You know, now the series shifts back to L.A. tomorrow night, 9.30 tip, Central Time. Um, you know, I, what do you believe the Grizzlies have to do to, to win tomorrow night? Because I, I have my thoughts on what they've got to do. It kind of what are, And I imagine our thoughts are going to line up pretty yeah. much. But what, what are kind of your thoughts on what to be honest, has to do to push this to Sunday? To be honest, I have three just very – simple and basic notes that I wrote down. I wrote down that uh, we need Jaron Jackson Jr. to dominate on pick-and-roll situations. We need him to score 10 to 12 tough points in the low post. We need 10 – we need 10 – we need 10 points from Jaron when it looks like on an offensive possession that we're not going to get what we want. We kind of have to have Jaron almost be our scapegoat and know that when he gets the ball – we have a good chance that he's going to get fouled or score a tough basket around the rim. So if we can get – I'm just saying those 10 to 12 from him will make up, you know, unfortunately an overtime loss in game four. Um, I wrote down that obviously, you know, just seeing the game with your eyes, I think anybody would, 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 would say this. If you've been watching the past uh, two games, Desmond needs to stay hot and stay confident, um, stay shooting the ball. Um, I really loved him bringing the ball to court. I love when they find him in transition and they get in that early pick and roll. And with him shooting the ball, he got a lot of guys some open shots. Um, and then obviously I wrote down, I said, John, John needs to come in and say, I'm going to a step. I'm not going to try to get to the rim early because they're going to be, they're going to be ready to stop that in LA. He's that, he needs to be looking to get to the basket in that third and fourth quarter. But I think if he could establish, I've wrote down, establish mid-range pulls, which I mean pull-up jumpers and early floaters. And I said, simple plays win the game. So if he can establish, you know, that 12 to 15-foot mark and that 15-foot range and just be confident pulling up and shooting that shot, if he can see four or five of those go in to start the game, I think he's going to be playing with a lot of spark. I agree on every point. I, I, I love the point about Jared going back to that uh, because I do believe Jared's got to be, you know, 
Ja for 80 however many games has been that safety valve. The guy right. that, hey, when things go to hell, get the ball to Ja, let him go to the goal. I, I think you're right on when you say that if that happens tomorrow night, the ball needs to go to Jared. And Jared needs to say, all right, I'm I'm going to go at AD. And, hey, yeah. I may get one blocked, but I'm going to draw two fouls. Yeah, establish yourself. Just establish yourself that you're going to be a presence. I think one other thing, the only other point, because I agree all your other points. Yeah, please, I'd love to hear it. The one other point I want to make is I think the Grizzlies have to establish transition and pace and tempo early in the ballgame once again. I'm not saying that you have to play at that breakneck pace that they played at game five, although I would love it, and I think that would be great. But I think you need to go ahead – You need to be looking transition early and often in the yep. ball game, especially, especially in those moments where LeBron goes out. Yep. That's when, cause I feel like the Lakers really want to slow things down when LeBron goes out because oh yeah, no AD can't run the floor. So I think, I do think we need to be going when LeBron is in, but when he goes out, You've got to turn it up to that breakneck speed. Yep. When LeBron's out, it's a lot of side, just to be honest, side pick and roll with uh, with a D-Lo and, and, D-Lo and uh, Anthony Davis uh, or a Reeves and, um, you know, Rui or Reeves and AD, and AD. And I'm looking at their minutes. Anthony Davis, 35 minutes. LeBron, 37 minutes. Austin Reeves, 40 minutes. Those are three guys that played a lot of minutes on Wednesday night that they have to turn around and play against that pace. I know the Grizzlies played some high minutes, but the Grizzlies, that's just their style of play. You know, a a LeBron team now with his age and this Laker team is established because they're a big team. Establish the game in the half court with your end and utilize your size and physicality. I agree. And I think the one big question for the Grizzlies and you agreed earlier today with this, yeah. is, is Luke Kennard. Yeah, you know, I have that written status. down too. Kind of a – I just wrote Luke Kennard question mark. Yeah, I think his status is, is going to be big because as we've seen, I think this series has gotten to Dylan. I, don't, I think it's gotten to his confidence. I think it's gotten to his psyche and how he plays. And I don't think it's so much the defense and LeBron. I think it's the fact that he just has missed so many shots. I think you said today he's, what, 15 of – 40 or something, or not even 15. Well, he's he, like five he's, of 40 for the series. Well, he, yeah, he was four of 28 from three point line. He was three of 15 last night. Um, he took 15 threes last night? No, not 15 threes, three of 15 from the field. Okay. I was going to say, I only remember about eight or nine, but still. I think, one for, I think he was one for eight from three point line, but four, four for 28 for the series. So the Grizzlies are going to have to get, you know, Kennard playing would be huge, but Tosh Jones is going to step up. We can't have another zero Tyus game tomorrow night. Right. You know, John Conchar is going to have to play big minutes. Santi Aldana yeah, is going to have to play big minutes. Everybody's going to have to come to play tomorrow Tillman. night. Tillman's LA going to is play going, a heck of a defensive going to be game. Desperate. They're going to be desperate tomorrow. This is their game seven. I think, I think if you can get them tomorrow, I think – I know I'm not trying to jump ahead. I know you're, it's a one game, one day at a time. Um, but, you know, I, tomorrow's a big game. Tomorrow's, tomorrow's the game. I think tomorrow's the game. The, the, obviously, obviously, the winner of that game is going to take it all. I mean, because obviously the, the Grizzlies are done if they lose. But if the Grizzlies win, 
I think the Lakers are thinking, oh my well, goodness. If the Grizzlies, if the Grizzlies win, you're going back to Memphis for the second time in four days. The Lakers will then be on their fourth game in six days or fourth game in seven days. Right. With with tired old veteran legs. And the Grizzlies mm-hmm. are the young spry team. Yep. And I think LeBron, like we were talking about, look, LeBron, look, when you play as much basketball as these guys play, you're going to have a good game and, a, and, and maybe a not so great game. But, you know, looking at his stats, five for 17 from the field total, one for nine from three, um, had a double double with 15 and 10, but just did not look like himself. He, they actually drew up a lob play for him to start the game, got a big dunk. You know, I was thinking, oh, he's going to really establish himself early but really settled for a lot of deep shots and just didn't see any go in last night. Well, and you even go back, you know, you're talking about, um, you're talking about LeBron and kind of the, the legs and everything, you know, go back to, go back to Monday. Yeah. He's eight of 18, but he's one of seven from three. Yep. So I think the legs, you know, to, Kind of quote Herb Brooks in Miracle, legs feed the wolves. And yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think right now <laughs> their legs are starting to get the best of it. I mean, you know, he's one for seven Monday night from three. Last night he's – I don't think it was much better. It's one for nine. It's actually markedly worse. So he's two for his last 16 from three. Um, And so, I mean, if you're the Grizzlies – do you almost let him – let him – you know, I'm not saying completely back off and play him like they're playing Dylan, but maybe you, you're not as worried about him shooting a three as you are him out in transition going to the basket. Yeah, so last night, every time he settled when that guy went under that when, – when LeBron got a ball screen, every time we went under it and he settled for that three, I was like, let him shoot it. Let yeah. him shoot that. Let him shoot that. I will live with that. I will live with him shooting that three. Well, and you noticed last night because when he's tired, when he's tired, that's what he does. Correct. And I noticed last night the Lakers went away from that screenplay. You know, they killed us. They killed it us with it for four straight games, and it's like they didn't want to run it last night. They ran it here and there, but I mean, game four, they were just murdering us with it there in the fourth quarter and overtime. Yep. And I didn't see it last night. And again. I think a lot of that was we affected their pace so much that it got them so out of rhythm. Yep, yep. So, and, uh, but uh, back to your uh, uh, what was that? Herb Brooks. Uh, say that's Herb Brooks leg, quote leg, again. One, legs feed the wolves. Legs feed the wolves. You know, you know he what he what he said too. A bruise on the leg is a hell of a long way from the heart. Well. And I mean, you know, maybe that's maybe that's what Luke Kennard has to tell himself tomorrow. You know, a bruise on the shoulders, not on it's not on the heart. That's right. You know? That's right. And if it's on and my it, right one, if it's on my right one, all I need is this left hand ready. Well, it's it's only his left. left hand it's, ready. It's only his left, though, isn't it? I I can't remember. You, I, think, I did not know he was hurt until you told me. Yeah, I think it's on that left. But again, this is Game Six. It's the NBA playoffs. If you can play, you're playing. I mean, I think, Luke's a, I think Luke. I, I think Luke's a tough guy. I think he's a tough player. So well, I think he'll played, play. He played at Duke under Shashevsky, and they kill each other at practice. So I feel <laughs> like he's probably taken some shots. Um, you know, Jackson Smith um, just got drafted to Seattle. Yeah. So, uh, you know. 
talk about a little bit about the Kings and the Warriors. I think that series is over. The Kings have been a great story, but I do not see them going into the Chase Center or Chase Arena and winning um, game game. Six. Yeah, you got game. You got a you got a closeout game with with the Warriors. You know, the uh, defending champs. You got a you got a chance to close it out at home with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson on your team, and Steve Kerr coaching you there. And you got a you got a you know a uh, banged up De'Aaron Fox. I was gonna say a wounded De'Aaron Fox. Game it's gonna be. I said I said that the uh, the Warriors were winning seven. It looks like the Warriors were winning six. Yeah, I just uh, you know, I, and again, it's been a great series. It's been a it's been a fun series, and I think this Kings team is here to stay. But yeah, I, I think they're gonna be fun down the stretch. I do too, but again, I think the series is over. Yeah. So I'm gonna get your final prediction for tomorrow night, Grizzlies Lakers. What you calling? Um, I'm going to say one – I'm going to say 124, 120 final. Grizzlies win. I'm going to say 119-111. Grizzlies win final. I got Ja with 41, Bain with 28, and Jaron finally with a 15-15 and 15 game. Whew, that'd be incredible. That's playing. I think that's what we got to have. That's playing. That's playing, and uh, I think you know. <laughs> I know it's only. T- I know the game is forty-eight minutes, but those first three minutes of that game is going to. It's going to be. It's going to tell a lot of what that well, game. The Grizzlies is have be. to weather. They're going to have to weather that storm. That storm yep. coming in the first three minutes of the ball game. Yep. So just now embrace it. Embrace. No, no, it's going to happen, and just know that hey, yeah. we're, we just got to. I got to win my matchup. That's Correct. how I try to see it. I got to win my matchup. Absolutely. If I'm, I'm Garden. If I'm guarding D'Angelo Russell and the, before the first TV timeout, I need to have five points on him and I need to hold him to two. Correct. So Correct. just win your matchup, you know, and, and if you win your matchup, you win the game. Correct. It's that so, easy, Rob. If we just did that every game, we'd all win, right? Exactly, yeah. I mean, if it was that easy, I think everybody would do it. Uh, so kind of pivoting a little bit to what we're both watching right now, the NFL draft. Um, I, you know, I don't have a whole heck of a lot of thoughts on it, to be honest. We've yeah. some live picks, but I think the biggest shock right now is the Texans. You know, they take C.J. Stroud at two and then trade back in to the third pick to get um, Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama. I think yeah. – and, and obviously I think the other shock fall right now is that Will Levis is still on the board at pick 21 and – I don't really see where he may be picked 23 Minnesota or somebody could trade back into the back end of the first round. But, um, and again, I've said, I did not think Will Levis was all that good. So this, this to me doesn't shock me. I don't think Anthony Richardson's going to be very good. That's just my opinion on it. But I, uh, I kind of really outside of that, I really think it's kind of gone chalk. B. John Robinson went too high at eight and Jameer Gibbs went way too high. 12 to the uh, Lions. I Detroit's picked so good for two years, and then tonight they just completely killed themselves. I will say with Bijan going to Atlanta, you have you know Art, you know, Arthur Smith. Um, so from coming from coming from Tennessee to Atlanta, Speaking of Arthur Smith. While we're on him, what the hell is he a head coach in the NFL? You are Fred Smith's son. You don't have to do anything in life. 
and you're going to put that much stress on yourself? Why hey. are you doing that to yourself, man? Hey, that'd be awesome. I'd love to be an NFL head coach. Well, I guess I, I guess I say he puts stress on himself. He probably doesn't put any because he pro- he has no stress. His family's set for life. He's just doing this for fun. Yeah. And, you know, um, back to myself as a future NFL coach, you know, I was a pretty good uh, play caller in Madden. I, I tell you, my team didn't say football. Uh, 78-0, my last uh, Auburn dynasty. We were rolling, man. <laughs> we had it rolling. We had the two QB system going I mean, we were winning Heisman's left and right, baby. <laughs> but uh, the big thing that I see was just that the, the reasoning behind that Bijan Robinson pick, because obviously, you know, the talk about the NFL draft is not to get, you know, a running back high in the draft. But I think he's trying, you know, he, he saw, you know, I, I know there's only one Derrick Henry, but he, he saw what he could do when he had a reliable running back. And I think he's trying to find that reliable running back you know, to put, put, to put his, to put in his sense, put in his system. Yeah. I I think there's probably some credence to that as well. Being able to, if, you know, and if you truly think you're a running back away from contending, then, then, Hey, go reach for him. If you don't think he's going to be there in the second round and looking at it, I mean, the, the lines jump up to get Gibbs. I mean, I guess that's telling you that no, he's not, uh, also, looks like Will Levis is about to be picked by the uh, the Chargers. Chargers, that's interesting. I don't really understand that at all, um, unless they're just that out on Justin Herbert, who I'm not out on in the least yeah. bit. And yeah, unless, I, I like him. Unless I like somebody's Herbert. trading into this spot, and that could be a case. But I mean, yeah. Levis is standing up like he's about to be picked by the Chargers. So the question is, are the Chargers using him as trade bait? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That when you have Justin Herbert on your team, I I would think that they're they're pretty high on him. For well, I sure. would hope so. I think they just paid him. Haven't his contract's coming up? I think. Well, him and uh, Joe Burrow, him and Joe Bur- him and Joe Burrow are going to get some big time contracts. Definitely Joe after Burrow is going to get absolutely definitely paid. definitely after this Lamar Jackson, you know, one eighty five guaranteed. They're going to be they're going to be probably oh, wow. more. Oh. The Chargers selected Quentin Johnson from TCU. The wide receiver. The wide yeah. receiver, yeah. Um, so, I don't know what Will Levis and his camp were standing up for, but – and le- now, somebody – I bet you somebody's trading into this Baltimore pick that's coming up. Yeah, here which – I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going I'm to ask you a question. What were you saying? I didn't mean to cut go you Go ahead. Up, no, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. Of the first 20 – okay, we're at pick 21. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, we're at pick, pick 21. 21 is Quentin Johnson. Yeah, pick 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're at pick 21. Of the 21 picks we've seen, which one of these guys do you think has, you know, the 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 kind of the the long NFL successful career? Oh, Will Anderson. I think yeah. Will Anderson's the best player in the draft. Yeah. I don't just think a, and I don't think it's particularly close. Yeah, you can plug him a lot of places too. Just you can you could probably put him even at an end spot, a kind of edge rusher. Or sorry, yeah, I mean you can you can sit him down on the edge. You can put him at linebacker. He'd probably be a good stand up, a good stand up edge rusher at times. Yeah. And I'll tell you, uh, I'm really high on Jackson Smith and Jigba. I'm yeah. extremely high on him. Um, obviously, I'll sound like a homer here, but Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State, I think he is just I, he's a ball hawking corner. Yeah, he's rangy. He's got the size. He's what six three. 
Yeah, he's six yeah. three. So long corner. The NFL loves those long corners for sure. And you know, uh he'll probably have a good career for the commanders too. I know they're looking for some some defensive type type yeah. talent for sure. But that I would say that's probably my pick that would that I say is just like he's gonna, you know, he's got the shot to have that to have that long pro those multiple pro bowls play for a defensive player of the year possibly at some point. Yeah. I was I was gonna go probably one of these offensive tackles because I like both of these. Probably yeah. a Paris Johnson from Ohio State or a Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Well I'm really because I think I I'm think really I, high on Skorinkowski out of Northwestern. Yeah I'm score, extremely yeah. high on him. Um so looks like the Titans, you know, looks like the Titans trying to get some more offensive line help and depth, you know, trusting and, and, and you know, trusting and hoping that Derrick Henry stays healthy and looks like, Ryan, you know, get some help for Ryan Tannehill for sure, just to give him some time in the pocket to make plays and just need him back healthy too if you're a Titans fan. Yeah. So. I like, you know, I know, I know, I know too, I know we're talking about a bunch of these guys, but it's funny when I watch Jameer Gibbs, I said I said that he reminds me of um of the kid for the um Saints from from Tennessee. Yeah, uh Kamara. Yeah, Alvin Kamara. So he kind of has he kind of has that type of skill set. I'm not saying Gibbs is not a good player. Right. I think you're reaching at 12 though because I don't know who else yeah. you're taking. Uh, you know, and you trade it up to get him. Right. Like, were you that concerned that Green Bay was going to take him? Maybe that'd be the only thing I could really see. But I mean, you also had the 18th pick. So, right. I, again, that's my thoughts. But so, and then I'll ask you one more of the right. first 20 of the first 21. We have, you know, you said Will Anderson, longest career, most successful career of these picks. Who's going to have the shortest career and least successful um, career? I, it's not a doubt in my mind. It's Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida. I saw everything they every I saw all these comparisons when they drafted. They said he's bigger than this, faster than this, taller than this, broad jump for this. You know what they didn't say? All those other players were not quarterbacks. I don't give a crap if you can run a four three. I don't give a crap that you can broad jump 10-4. I need to know, can you make a – on third and 13, can you throw me a 15-yard out route on a dot on the sideline? He can't do that. Well, what's interesting just from what I heard, you know, with, with Billy Napier and kind of what he was trying to do to get the most out of Anthony Richardson at Florida was a lot of, you know, one side of the field tight reads. So really trying to split the field in half and give him a lot of predetermined looks. So it'll be interesting just hearing that, how he how that transfers into the NFL. But he's got the athletic, he's got the, I mean, he he when he gets off the bus, he definitely looks like an NFL player for sure. But we need we don't need you to look good off the bus. We need you to perform on the field. Correct. I don't, you know, that's that's my thing. That's great that you look, you know, perfect getting off the bus, but I need you to look perfect on third and thirteen. <laughs> I don't care if you look perfect in pregame or at your pro day where you're hitting beams in the ceiling. And then when you're really special when you check into that third and 13 out route. Well, but that's my thing. I, I see all these people, they're, they're oohing and on over the fact that he hit a beam. 
I didn't know a bean played receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. I didn't know that was I didn't know that was the check down throw. Apparently that's the new check down in the Indianapolis offense that you can hit a beam or or I guess they're giving automatic first downs that you can throw at 73 yards now. Like, congrats. That's the new rule. Yeah, apparently so. Apparently they're gonna make the game more fun. I, but yeah, no, it's no doubt in my mind it's Anthony Richardson. Do you want to talk some more NFL draft, or do you want to move on to some other things? I would love to stay around until Will Levis got drafted, but I also don't want us to be on a podcast till 11.30 tonight if he somehow falls out of the first round. Well, to keep us – keep you all updated, Boston's on a 14-3. Back to some basketball. Boston's on a 14-3 run to put them up 124-116 on the Atlanta Hawks. So, so it looks that, like that that series right. will be closed out tonight. They got 90 seconds left in that one. So yep. um, probably over there. Tatum with thir- with 30 and 14 tonight. That's not that's not a bad night at all. Trey Young, Trey Young has 30. Unfortunately, it's on nine of 27 shooting. And he's a minus eleven. Ain't great, but Al, as we finish up tonight, we're doing our yeah. top ten, list, our bucket list sporting events. Oh yeah, this is good. I I'll think we can already check one of these off, can't we, Rob? Yeah, we can. We can check one of them off. Uh, <laughs> number ten, I got the NFL draft. Yeah, you know, I personally, I wouldn't care all that much to go to if they say you need to go once because it's all these great super fans and all this. I mean. I guess if it's ever like in Dallas, I mean, yeah, I'll probably go. But like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, don my Saints gear and you know fly to Scottsdale to go to it either. So, uh, but you know, I think it, I think it'd be something fun to do. Uh, I think I would be repping my Johnny Unitas jersey for the Baltimore yeah. Colts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That you wouldn't be the only one wearing it either, because I bet you every Colts fan's wearing it. That so or my, to, to our to our listeners out there. Uh, uh, the coach does not have a Johnny Unitas jersey. <laughs> For all our listeners, the lefty does have an Alvin Kamara jersey and a Chris Ooh, yeah. and a Chris Olave jersey. Those are some. Those are uh, there's just two really good players for sure. I know so Alvin Kamara and Chris Olave. Unfortunately, so. my uh, my Will Lutz jersey. I, I never pulled the trigger on that one. I really wanted that one. I did have a Thomas Morstead, the punter. I had his jersey for a while. That's an elite jersey. But, but uh, uh, I feel like the NFL that, draft would be fun. Just, uh, you know, see all 32 absolutely. Uh, fan bases. and Yeah. Just, you know, it'd be good to – they're always in some cool places, you know, like some cool, some cool towns. So, I think, I think it'd be fun to experience at some point for sure. Yeah, a little update. Zay Flowers, the wide receiver from Boston College, goes to the Ravens. So, he's getting even more uh, – Lamar getting even more help there. So, number nine on the list, Al and I have actually checked this one off. Well, back to Zay Flowers. That's probably replacing uh, Hollywood Hollywood Brown, don't you think, that Hollywood yeah, Brown trade? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, number nine, Al and I have actually checked this one off. And I did not say the national championship for a reason. We talked about this Monday afternoon in Houston. Yep. Um, you know, the, the best day at the Final Four is Saturday. Oh man, it's incredible, isn't all it? Four fan bases are there. They're all happy to be there. That like, there's those nerves in the air. It's that big game atmosphere. 
I didn't get that same feel Monday for the championship. Now, that could be different if it was, you know, if it would have been UConn and Syracuse or UConn right. and North Carolina or Kansas, right. something like that. But right. I feel like that Final Four Saturday with all four fan bases all there is just – it's an absolutely electric atmosphere. Yeah, it's unreal. 80,000 people in one place ready to watch a basketball game and just – like you said, four four fan bases that you know want to see their team want to see their team cut down the nets and just have that excitement, and are just you know loud and rooting for their team and having a lot of college you know they love their college sports so you know it's a it's a it's it's an amazing amazing time and amazing experience for sure. So number eight on the list, I, I waffled with this one. But I think you got to add it. Game seven in any sport is amazing. I just don't want to go sit in 30-degree weather for game seven in baseball, so I didn't add it. Game seven of the NBA Finals, though, I think is is something you would love to see as a sports fan. A game seven in New York for a, for the for a Yankees game? You wouldn't go to that one? No. For a be game 20. seven in uh, Chicago? No, because it'd be 18 – well, number one, I may not be able to get in the stadium in Chicago, but it'd also be 18 degrees. So, no, I would not enjoy that. Bring your hot hands. I, I, yeah, I, I, I look, I, if I want to freeze and be miserable, I'll go to the Liberty Bowl. <laughs> and watch a 10-7 slugfest. <laughs> yeah, I'll go watch 6-6 six and six Arkansas and 7-5 and five Kansas. See who wants to lose worse. Hey, I was there. That was a heck of a ball game. Yeah, that was one heck of a ball give game. it away. We'll have a whole podcast on that game. Okay, too. sorry, Al. I didn't add the Liberty Bowl as one of our bucket list sporting events. <laughs> I thought a Woodland basketball game would be on here. No, Al. <laughs> y'all see, ticketing is a problem for y'all there. Y'all can't handle those overflow crowds. <laughs> It's on my bucket list. <laughs> number uh, number seven, I, you know, I'm not a huge tennis fan, but I think a Wimbledon final, I think being able to be there, you know, just the pageantry of that of that place, you know, the stars obviously would be out. I think that'd be something interesting. Obviously, some really good uh, final matches over the years. Obviously, you've had Roddick, Federer, Nadal, Federer, Nadal, Jokic, Jokic, Federer. Last year, you had a great one with uh, Nick Kyrgios and Novak Djokovic. Oh, yeah. So, just really? I think that would be really, really fun to at least see one time. Yeah, the, the, the Wimbledon final, even if you're not a tennis fan, like, I actually kind of am a tennis fan. Like, I really respect – like, I think tennis athletes are just so underappreciated um, just how good they are at their sport and how athletic those the, – you know, the women and men are. Um, but you know, just the history behind the tournament and, um, just, you know, the turnout and, you know, the respect that the fans have for both, for both players and that are competing, it's, it'd be awesome to see what, what would be your outfit at the Wimbledon final, Rob? I think you have to wear white, don't you? You got to wear all white. So what, what are you, are you gonna, are you, what are you rocking? Oh, I'm going to be, oh, I, I'm going white. I'm going white pants, white shoes. With a white polo and a white jacket over these, probably, probably a nice little white hat too. You know, <laughs> just really go all out and just make sure I can just look as pretentious as possible to That's as right. many people there. Because trust me, I'd fit right in. That's right, and show up in your white Range Rover. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, th I thought that was a given. 
<laughs> but, but uh Wimbledon final, that would be that would be awesome. Yeah. Because you get you obviously you get the the women's final on Saturday. Saturday and then you get the men's final on Sunday. So that'd be cool, you know, to have two days of that. Absolutely. So number 6 on the list is uh Sunday at Augusta. I I think that's just I think even casual fans that aren't necessarily. Oh my uh, goodness! Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, you hear, you hear obviously just the history around that golf course, even the history that some people don't know. You know, you go back to, you know, the old times and the old days of, of guys like, you know, Gene Saracen and thirty whatever it was. He gets the double eagle on fifteen. You go to. 86, Larry Mize and the chip in. You go to Phil's putt in 04, Tiger's domination in 97. Adam Scott in 13. Yeah, Bubba Watson's hook shot out of the trees. I think you just – there's so many moments at that golf course, and so many of those moments have been made on Sunday. Yeah. And uh, two, two would be awesome just to see, you know, Thursday, the opening tee shot. Now with Tom Watson and Jack Nicklaus. Um and Gary Player, that would be – I mean, those are – you can't get any better than that. Oh, I mean, obviously, to be able to be there for all four days would just – I think that probably shoots it even further up there. But I would say yeah. just the Masters. Being there on Sunday at Augusta. Yeah, Masters Sunday, yeah. The events. But, yeah, yeah. but being – being not trying to – you would want to be there on that final day because that's Correct. when, obviously, yeah. they're, they're putting the – you know, a green jacket ceremony and things like that are taking place. But – that would be that'd be one amazing um, experience of a lifetime for sure. Dang, look at Josh Heupel over there. Got his Jordan's own, just looking all dapper in his gray. I was trying to watch the end of this uh, Celtics Hawks game. It looks like where who are we? Were they showing Heupel? Is is Hinton Hooker potentially getting? Well, they got Hooker and they got Hooker and Levis on both on split screen. I guess they think one of them's being picked here by Minnesota. Oh, oh wow! But neither of them's phone is ringing, so I'm guessing it's not either of them here. This be interesting. Are we going to go with a kicker, Rob, or a punter? I I personally would really zig when everybody else is zagging. I would forfeit the pick. So really, go really extraordinary. We don't need it. We're good enough. <laughs> forfeit all your picks in the draft. Yeah, we got it. Trust the process. Yeah, trust the process, baby. <laughs> trust what we got. We're going all in on free agency this year. So uh, back to our back to our top ten list. Number five, the uh, college football national championship. I think that would just, especially now with the playoffs and. And how that is, I think, I think that's just one of those events. Yeah. Do you have a specific location for the national championship, or just any one, like any location? I'm probably a little. I, I probably hold Miami. You know, in 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 the in Miami Gardens, that stadium very in high regard. Obviously, in Atlanta, in the, in that new stadium. In, in yeah. Mercedes-Benz would be fun. But are we ever gonna have a Rose Bowl championship again? No, because I don't think the Rose Bowl, I don't think they'll ever do it in Pasadena because they want it to be the Rose Bowl. You know, yeah, it was, you know, they threw a fit when it was just the Rose, the national championship played there on top of the Rose Bowl. So I don't think yeah. we'll ever see uh the the CFP national championship be played in the Rose Bowl anymore. Yeah. 
See, I hate that though, because that would be a man. That'd be an amazing experience. But oh, I think yeah. just getting to go to a Rose Bowl. Well, and I cool. think it's so awesome. You know, back I guess fourteen years ago now, when Alabama and Texas. You know, it was Alabama Texas in the Rose Bowl. That was an amazing game. It was about as good of a about as good of a strip as you could write. Yeah, and then obviously you have the Colt McCoy injury. That was tough. Yeah, that was that was a rough. So. That'd be a quiz. That'd be a great, um, you know, if we had a giveaway, Rob, that'd be a great um, giveaway question. Who came in the 2008 um, game at quarterback for Colt McCoy? Yeah, see, everybody would lose to me on that because I know the answer to that. It's Garrett Gilbert. Garrett Um, Gilbert, that's right, who later transferred to SMU. The better question, who was most outstanding player in that game? Wasn't Mark Ingram, was it? Nope, it was Marcel Darius. Marcel Darius, that's what I, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Nose tackle, Alabama. So, I know we're all just boring you with random inane sport knowledge. So we'll go ahead and go to number four on the list. I think now these next four, I think they're kind of in a tier by themselves because I think there's – obviously what we're about to name is something that's very, very revered, and then the other three are just they're, – they're completely in another stratosphere. Number four is yeah. the Kentucky Derby. I think that, you know, the history of the Derby, you know, it's the beginning of the Triple Crown, everybody dresses up, you go to Churchill Downs, you're there. You know, it's not just the racing for the Kentucky Derby, it's Kentucky Oaks on Saturday, on Friday. It's all these races leading up to the Derby. I think that would just be an extremely, extremely fun. Uh, Watching your checking account go into the negatives. Yeah, I, did. I don't want to think about that. It, mine would be in the negatives before sundown on Friday. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it – I don't. but, however, I don't know if it'd be from losing on, on horses or from the mint juleps I'd be buying. So, I, you know, if you wanted to do, it would probably send my bank account in the negatives. <laughs> hey, they're winning in both in – both, in, in both um, instances, they're winning that, that, oh, absolutely. that, that one for sure. Absolutely. Uh, but Kentucky Derby, that would be an incredible experience. Yeah. So uh, to see that, to see that, uh, you know, yeah, just see that live. live one time. So that'd be cool. Number three, yeah, number three on the list. Uh, and I again, I think these next three are in tier, a tier completely by themselves. The Olympics, number four, number three being the Olympics, obviously happens every two years between the summer and the winter. I prefer probably the summer Olympics if I had to guess. Yeah, I would. The summer Olympics would be something that I would rather go see. Yeah, I think to be able to see the 100 meter dash, the fastest man alive. Being are we to- getting it? Are we getting it in 32 or 36? I think it's 32 if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, is it, is it coming to L.A. or just yeah, coming, coming to L.A.? Yeah. So every event will be in L.A. See, I don't know how they're going to do that because, yeah. you know, when they do the World Cup in 2026, you know, it's not going to be every event. You know, L.A. is going to be like the home of it. But I believe – no, my bad. 2032 is Brisbane. Brisbane, okay. Are so we trying to get 2036? We're 2028. Okay, wow. Wow, okay. So we're 2020 – we're the 2028 Olympics. Okay. Al, that's going to be a busy year for us, Al. We only got five years to start saving money. I mean, <laughs> we're going to have to go to the Final Four, the Kentucky Derby, and the L.A. Olympics. I, I just, I, and Masters Sunday. Yeah, I, you're going to have to be on, like, the coaching staff for USA Basketball at that point. So, uh, 
Good luck with that. I was thinking about just being president of uh, of USA Basketball at that point. Yeah, that'd be pretty nice, too. Let me know if you do that. I'll probably be hitting you up for a job or at least three tickets. Uh, so. we'll, let you, we'll, let you, we'll let you have one, Rob. Yeah, can I have I, – look, all I need to – Hey, do, we might just let this podcast take off and let that, yeah. you know – Yeah, maybe, maybe – hey, away. Olympics, we'll be the official podcast of the Olympics. I we'll have a live a – live, we'll have, you know, we'll have our, 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 our live show. I will at look. This in is Los official, Angeles, twenty twenty. This is my official pitch. You don't actually have to pay me, except find me a room. All I want is all those badges, so I can look really official to everybody and look really important. I need about nine of them all over my neck. Give me some cool gear, and look, I'm all in. Yeah, give me <laughs> Team USA gear and about nine of those little lanyards, so I can look really official. <laughs> I don't care if they just all say my name on them. Just let me look official for a little while. I'll be sure to have a badge for you for the next for our next show. Okay, thank you. That that you can wear each show. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, number two, uh, I, it's the World Cup final. I think that that'd be that's incredible. One of those that just it it kind of it's you know the soccer's obviously the game of the world, and I think that's one that. I think when it comes back to the U.S. here in three years, I, I think it's going to be – it's going to open a lot of people's eyes to how truly big soccer is worldwide. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, it is unbelievable just to see and think about, you know, how important that game is to everybody in on this earth. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, it's, look, it's life and death. <laughs> yes. To, to some countries, it's life and death. It's everything. It's everything. Like, they put they put their – all they have, all their resources into that, into that moment every four years. So it's unbelievable. Absolutely. And then number one on our list, I think everybody can go ahead and figure this one out. It's the Super Bowl. And hey, NFL, again, I don't ask for payment. I need a room <laughs> and all those lanyards to look really official and I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just let us do the halftime show. You know, I'm sure that people would love to hear us talk at halftime. So maybe we can arrange I think- that. I think me tell Roger Goodell we'll get that yeah. we'll we'll plan that out. We don't need so. we don't need musicians. We need me and Al sitting at center field. Hey, look, this saves the field, saves cleanup time. Just let me kick up, talk some trash to all the opposing fan bases, and I promise it will be electric. I mean, what what more can you ask for? But if you don't want to let us do halftime, that's okay. We'll take pregame. We'll take pregame and then and then postgame. And then I want to present the trophy. That's right. Trophies. And then I will say. And I also, want, I also, my last request, I want to pick what color Gatorade is in the coolers. <laughs> what color? I'm guessing. I'm, let me guess. You're going with. You're going with uh, Fruit Punch Red. I am going with Fruit Punch Red. 100%. <laughs> Boom. Let's go. <laughs> So, folks, that is actually going to be all for us tonight. Have fun watching whatever you're watching. This podcast should come out Friday morning. So have a great weekend. And one more thing, I just have to add this. Taylor Jenkins, if you're listening, which I know you are, hanging on with bated breath, please play Luke Kennard if he's healthy. And also, see you Sunday, folks. You've been listening to Riding the Pine with Lefty and the Coach. We'll see you next time. And see you Sunday.